system to protect us from terrorism. I won't spend much time here. That's last week. Look now. Do you know JetBlue? Have you ever flown on JetBlue? All right, JetBlue is really bringing us some blues. It says, May 31st, 2017, ABC, GMA. Headline says what, my friends? JetBlue. Testing facial recognition boarding system in Boston. Then it says, uh, starting when? It has begun this month, June. Starting in June, passengers on the airlines Boston Aruba route route will be photographed at the gate. So once you walk in, photographed. Prior to boarding and checked against the images on their passport or visa photos on file with U.S. Customs and Border Protection. And remember now, they said once they began doing this, it's, watch, go back here, it says, they will still have their biometric data not only collected, red words on top, but then shared with other what states and potentially then with other foreign governments. It makes sense. We want to know who is coming in and who is going out. Makes sense now? We want to vet. You see this thing about vetting so-called terrorists? It is a Trojan horse. All right. Let's get back here. Then it's, watch, it says now, if the computer, JetBlue, if the computer affirms their identity, they will be allowed to board without showing any documentation. It sounds good, right? No more long lines. Sound good, right? No? Sounds good, right? No more long lines. Keep us safe. Right? Sounds good, right? Watch this. Wait a minute. It says what? JetBlue customers can opt out of using the facial recognition system and scan their boarding passes as usual if they wish. So now it's not mandatory. But you know what's coming, my friends. Do you remember when they came up with your bank cards with a chip? What happened? Did they ask you, do you want to change your card? What happened? They sent you a card in the mail and say, look, just go ahead and what? Activate this new one and what? Destroy this one. Discard this one, the old one, the prior one. They know what they are doing, my friends. Amen? And notice now, what's going to happen if you still keep your old card? Certain ports or portals won't take it unless you have the chip. All right. Move on. It says now, self-boarding eliminates boarding pass scanning and manual passport checks. Just look into the camera and you're on your way. Watch now. The partnership with Customs and Border Protection is just part of a broader trend. A what trend? A broader trend of biometric technology being used not just at one airport, at airports to increase what now? Security. And what? Expedite 
passengers through what? The security process. So what are they saying? No more long lines and we can what? Protect our citizens. But notice, it says this. It, come on, red words. It will, however, make us much less free. In reality, this bill is a what? Is a Trojan horse. It pretends to offer desperately needed border control in order to stampede Americans into what? Sacrificing what is uniquely American. Here it is now. Our constitutionally protected liberty. Is that point clear? Now let's move on. May I go to number three now, my friends? May I go now to number three? What are most people talking about since this past Thursday? In a, what happened this past Thursday? Hmm. What did Trump sign, my friends? You know, we spoke about Trump signing this bill to take America out from the Paris Climate Accord this past Thursday in our live stream session. And some of you who watched it, those locally and those online, you're going to say, oh, Pastor, we heard what you said already. Move on to something new. Is that so? You watch this. Watch. Here it is, my friends. So we move on now, and we see what happened. Headline, Trump does what? Exist Paris climate deal. Why? The first step is... He took America from the Paris Climate Accord to satisfy the people that voted for him to become president. He said so himself. Here it is, my friends. June 1st, headline Breitbart. You know Breitbart? You know Breitbart? Was formerly run by whom? By Steve Bannon. Trump's man. Move on. Trump says what? Time to put Ohio, where else? Michigan, and where else? Pennsylvania, before the Paris Climate Agreement. Skip on down, he says, Trump gave a shout out to the forgotten industrial, those places, industrial heartland, that delivered him the what now? The White House, as he announced America's unilateral withdrawal from what? The Paris Climate Accords this past Thursday. That's old news now. You know, after a day or two, things are old based on what's happening in the world. Let me come to you right now. Most of you said, you see, there's no Sunday law coming. It must come in America first and then go to the world. It's Sunday law. And the Pope says, uh, if you want to stop climate change, global warming, and for Sunday, and, and Trump backed out. You know, friends, beloved, I'm on my knees this morning. I'm going to share with you, as I, as, as I opened up my database, the first two things that hit my eyes is what's coming next and what comes later on. What comes next? Let me tell you something. Even though Trump put America out, the papacy has been steps ahead of Trump. Hear me. We should not speculate as Bible-believing Christians. Look at the prophecy and the events. Amen, my friends? We don't know for sure if Trump is in bed with Pope Francis. We don't know that. 
we can draw conclusions based on who advises Trump, who is with Trump, what Trump does, and with the Pope. But it's still, spe it's still speculation. Not until they said, hey, we are buddies, we are on the same page. Then we can say for certain. But prophecy gives clearer certainty. Prophecy. And the event. Do you know why I said the papacy has been steps ahead of us? Hear me. You will see, even though the federal government just said, Trump, we are not going to unite with the world and combat climate change with this Paris Agreement. But do you know the states can override that? Yes. Hear me, the who? The states in America can override that. In the sense, even though Trump says, I won't do it, it's a drama. It's a drama. Because deep down, I believe they're on the same team, yes. just playing from different sides of the spectrum. We know that, all right? But don't speculate. Back to the point. Hear me now. The states now can say, okay, Trump, you said no, but we have the power based on the Constitution to go forward with this deal. And guess who said that? Bloomberg, Mayor Bloomberg. Do you know who he is? Do you not know he is or he was a former uh, mayor of New York City? Do you not know he is one of the top billionaires in the world? Bloomberg? Watch this. Watch carefully. Here it is, past this. Here it is, my friends. Mayor Bloomberg, headline. Watch this, June 2017. Trump, watch now, U.S. typo. U.S. can fulfill what? Pledges. Says whom? Michael Bloomberg. Then he says, he argued, this could be done through partnerships. Among what? Cities. Among what? States. Among what? Businesses. Mr. Bloomberg is who? Is the United Nations Special Envoy for what? Cities and climate change. Does he have clout? Does he have influence? Does he know what he's saying then? Move on, he says, watch. Quote, I want the world to know that the U.S. will meet its Paris commitments. How? And that through partnerships among cities, states, and businesses, we will seek to remain part of the Paris agreement process then this next statement blew my mind he says we are already halfway there and we can accelerate our process further without any support from washington first point based on the u.s constitution it's the states that gave the federal government its power the states have autonomy over the federal government. Do you know why this is startling? It's a fulfillment of prophecy. Can you kind of walk with me here in the truth? The last statement from Bloomberg is, we are already halfway there. There what? Doing what? The states can, in America, say we will remain in this agreement. 
Because we know whatever Trump did on Thursday would take four years to be completed. What happens in four years in America? Another re-election, another election cycle. All right, my friends? So, in other words, nothing happened on Thursday. Nothing. Go ask those in Britain with Brexit. How many years now? Sin or months now? Nothing yet until 2019 or 2020 for those in Britain. Nothing happened. It's a smokescreen. It's a drama. Hear me now. What would, what could Michael Bloomberg be referring to when he said we're halfway there? Do you remember in 2015, the Vatican had a forum, a meeting, and you see it now. He called a forum at the Vatican with the global mayors and governors to sign to the Paris Agreement. Did they go? So he knows if the federal government say no, who runs cities? Mayors. Come on, back to the screen. Cities, states, businesses. Who run cities? Mayors. Who run the states? Governors. Who are the owners of businesses? Entrepreneurs, merchants. Watch carefully, my friends. What date is this at the bottom? 2015, headline says what now? Global mayors, governors, at Vatican summit on what? He was steps ahead, my friends. I said, Lord, can we see that? Watch. Here it is now. Who is this now? Which governor is this? Of California. And he's, watch, he's, watch. He says, watch. He says, he says, hopefully, the world will listen to the Pope's understanding of the existential threat caused by what? The human disruption of what? Climate patterns. Who is Governor Brown, by the way? The same one who's a Jesuit who says, don't you underestimate the power of the Holy Father. The Jesuits are steps ahead of the world. If they don't get you one way, they get to the other way. The cities, the states, mayors, governors. I'm going to drop this one. It's going to hit you like an earthquake. Did Nebuchadnezzar establish an image yes. and mandated everyone to bow down and worship or else die? Who did Nebuchadnezzar gather in that meeting? Did he gather the governors? Did he also gather the mayors? The captains are mayors of cities. Go there with me. Chapter 3 of Daniel, my friends. You can see this now based on prophecy. Many folks are saying, oh, what Trump did has only delayed. I won't go over what I covered this past Thursday. I won't go there. I'm being tempted. I won't go there. It's hastening, my friends. Where are we going to? Chapter 3 of Daniel. Look with me at verse number chapter 3. And look with me, look with me at verse 2. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to what now? Gather together. Whom? The, 
who are princes, rulers, then whom? Governors, then whom? Who are captains? Captains are the first officer in a city. We call them mayors. Do your research, my friends. And who modern Babylon gathered? Global mayors and what? Governors. Watch this now. Watch carefully now. That was 2017, right? Watch carefully now. Listen what happened a few months ago. It says, two of the what? Come on. Today, the two biggest coalitions of cities in the world, the EU-based covenant of what? Mayors. And the UN-backed compact of mayors are forming an alliance to link more than 600 million city dwellers in the fight against what, my friend? Watch carefully, watch carefully, watch carefully, watch carefully. The, the last phrase, red words, it says, the global covenant will link how many cities? 7,100, representing more than half a trillion people in what? Watch now, in one unified effort to address the causes and impacts of climate change. Will they have one voice? Then it says now, cities will speak. How does Orlando speak as a city? How does Brooklyn speak as a borough? How does Miami speak as a city? It's people. Was the people cry for that Sunday law, my friends? That's where the action is at the city level. Well, let's read that. It says cities will speak with what? One clear, coordinated voice, sending a strong signal to national what now? Governments that they are committed to this fight and to assisting one another in the fight against climate change. Cities are where the action is. It's not at the federal level. You can't watch Trump. You can't watch the White House. That's not where it's coming from. You see, my friends, so nothing happened June 1st, 2017. It was a smoke screen. That's why we must be diligent students of Bible prophecy. The devil is steps ahead of us. Study for ourselves, my friends. May I move on to my last one now? Oh, beloved. I'm about to go to sleep. And I fell on my knees. I said, Lord, is everything set for tomorrow? I would do one last scan. Because throughout my week, I'm studying, I'm watching, and I'm gathering. And many times, I don't read everything. I just file away, file away, file away. And then I go into my bakery before Sabbath morning, and I begin to bake. What am I baking? The word, the bread. And I'm scanning, and the first thing that hit my eyes was a statement from Nancy Pelosi. Who is Nancy Pelosi? Who is Nancy Pelosi? Oh, my friends. 
And Nancy Pelosi said, based on what Trump did on Thursday, we are sinning against God. And if we do not unite in the Paris Agreement, she, oh, I can't give it to you. If we do not get into and remain in the Paris Agreement, it shows we are not worshiping God. I fell out my chair back on my knees. They are telling us the Paris Agreement is not about just carbon uh, dioxide in the air, CO2, and stop using plastic, and don't use your, 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 your stove. Go back to horse and buggy days. Don't drive cars. It's about worship, my friends. Whose worship? The devil's worship. Who is spearheading it? The man of sin, the Antichrist, Pope Francis himself. I said, Lord, you have a sense of humor. I'm tired. One last prayer. He said, go back and look again to your notes. I was shocked. Ready for it, friends? Watch. Oh, watch. June 2nd. Guess what? Breitbart. You can't call this fake news now. As a matter of fact, it's a video. I did not run the risk to play it today. Listen to this. Headline. Pelosi says what? Trump dishonored God by walking away from Paris Accord. What is she linking with the Paris Accord? God, read on. She says, faithfully, tell me how many times. Okay, okay, children, don't sleep on me. Tell me how many times Nancy Pelosi mentions the name Pope. All right? The word Pope. All right. She says, faith leaders, starting with the holiness, Pope Francis, to the evangelical community, have urged us. Wait a minute. Who is urging politicians? Church people. Move on. To be responsible stewards of the beauty of God's creation. They believe as you live, that this planet is God's creation and we have a moral responsibility to be good stewards of it. When the Pope went to the White House, he talked about the dangers of air pollution when he was here. Just last week, the Pope met with President Trump and gave him a copy of Laudato Si, his encyclical, which made the strong case to halt the climate crisis. So what is she using as her base to combat climate change? The Pope and Laudato Si. Read on. The Pope wrote, the climate is a common good belonging to all and men for all. The Bible tells us to minister to the needs of God's creation is an act of worship. I said, Lord, there it is. Then she says, to ignore those needs is to what? Dishonor the God who made us. And this is what we are doing by walking away from this accord. 
if you don't go along with the Pope's encyclical and the Paris climate deal, you are not worshiping God. Oh, my friends. What more can be said now? And you still haven't heard anything yet. What more can be said? And, and we have many of us playing games with our salvation. I'm like, Lord, am I seeing what I'm seeing here? Let's get back here. So my children, how many times did the woman mention the name Pope, the word Pope? And four is a universal number. Let's get back here. Let's get back here. Watch carefully now. Watch carefully. She's building on what? The encyclical. And she mentions worship from the Pope's encyclical. Then what day does he say we must worship on? What day does the Pope say we must keep then, my friends? Sunday. Watch. Let's get back. And what are we told in the spirit of prophecy? The writings of Sister White. They will say, blue words, blue words, the calamities are coming because we are not keeping what day? Sunday. That God give us a true messenger. All right. And then in GC 5, 7 to 9, she says, it, oh, let's, let's read that. Come on, what it says. The assertion that calamities, God's judgments are coming upon men for their violation of the Sunday Sabbath will be repeated already. It is beginning to be urged. And a movement to enforce Sunday observance is what, my friends, is what is fast gaining ground. Now, you think I'm finished yet? Oh, my friends, I don't have much more. So please don't, don't, don't sleep. Stay alert. It's solemn times we're living in. Watch. Things that we have read years ago and we have wondered, will these ever come to pass? Friends, we are seeing them now. So when my grand grandfather or grandmother or great great your grandparents said, the Lord is coming, these signs never happened yet. We are now seeing them. Jesus is coming quickly. All right, watch now. Go back to Pelosi. Listen to this now. She says, red words at the bottom. She says, the Pope wrote, the climate is a what? A common good belonging to all and meant for all. The Bible tells us to minister to the needs of God's creation is an act of worship. God's creation, what's that? That's nature worship. That's nature worship. And Sunday came from what? Sun worship, nature worship. Back to the point. She mentions common good. Friends, God has to be the one steering this. Because when I read the common good, and she mentions the Pope came to America and, 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 and spoke about common good in his encyclical. Did he come to America? Did he mention common good? Look at the screen. Did he come to America? 
There it is. He came to Congress. Common good, right? Watch carefully. Common good. What is a common good? I won't read all of this because we have covered this before. What, what does the Roman Catholics mean by common good? It means what? It means what? It is a Catholic social teaching. Where is that? Where is that? Where is that? All right. Where is it? Catholic social teaching. Okay. Red words. Red word. Blue words. It says cooperation for what? The common good. He has taken a Roman Catholic. One more time. The Pope has taken a Roman Catholic principle and made it an element of governing strategy. This was when 2015, listen what Sister White says in 1897. What does she say right there? Roman Catholic principles will be taken under the care and protection of what? The state, just as he said. The Pope has taken a Roman Catholic principle. For what, my friends? Governing. Just as Sister White says, was the woman inspired? Was she inspired, my friends? Have you ever heard? Oh, my friends, watch now. She says the common good is written in the encyclical. Do you know what I did this morning while I'm baking the bread? I went back to the Pope's encyclical, La Datosi. And I trace the term common good. You'd be shocked what I saw. When I saw this, I couldn't even kneel. I fell on my stomach. And I'm smiling and crying at the same time. Ask my wife, Hillary. This morning I was telling her, I never saw this in all my life. Watch. The Pope said in the encyclical, we must govern with common good to stop calamities. And the common good means nations must give up their national interests for the global good. If the nations give up their national interest, what is the interest of the government? Who must they be concerned about? Their people. That means your rights. The federal government and Congress are there to protect our rights. But for the common good, the government must give up their national interest, the liberties of their people for the global good. I said, there it is. Here it is, my friends. Page, paragraph 169. 169. One brief sentence. Everyone, what it says now, together. And pause, pause. When you read this, think about what Trump did this past Thursday. Now, let's read. Come on. He says, international negotiations cannot make significant progress because what? Due to positions taken by countries which place their national interests above the global common good. There it is, my friends. So what does common good mean? From the Pope himself, governments must give up their national interests. It's a one-world government. 
But America is special in the world, my friends. America established civil and religious liberties, liberty of conscience, and the people gave Congress and the White House their power to what now? To protect our liberties, but in the name of the common good. Give up those things. Ah, oh, my friends. And now God gave us a second witness in a man called A.T. Jones. A.T. Jones said in 1888, when the Sunday law was about to be enforced, the same language was being used, common good. Listen to what he says. A.T. Jones, he says this. A speaker, red words, a speaker in behalf of the Sunday bills said, when we speak of natural rights, natural rights, it must be with limitations. Who said your rights have limits? Let's read on. Natural rights, said this man pushing the Sunday bill in 1888, natural rights of the individual in the community are subordinate to the common good. Sabbath laws, Sunday laws have been proved to be for the common good. My friends, my friends, my friends. It all began with Nancy Pelosi's statement. We must uphold the common good statements and principles in the Pope's Laudato Si encyclical. If we don't, we are not worshiping God. And the calamities are going to come. So I went back to the common good. And the Pope says, give up your national interests. Give up your rights, my friends. And yet we are Seventh-day Adventists. Smiling in the Pope's face and shaking his hand. One Ganundiap, another Duane Leslie. When this man is telling us, I'm going to take away your rights. Enslave you. We're in darkness as a people. Friends, God's angel, don't stop there. Angel, don't stop there. And I went back and I looked again. Do you see how slow I'm going? I want this to be as a nail in a short place. I won't be much longer. Andrew, don't stop right there. Go deeper. And I went back to Ladato Sea. And I began to look at the term common good again. Oh, my friends. Oh, my friends. Would you believe me? The Pope actually said in that encyclical that the term common good it means the unification of churchcraft and statecraft. Some of you don't even know what I just said. Statecraft, churchcraft. Because Sister White told us, you know when you come to the end of the world, when churchcraft is mixing with statecraft. Those were her words. Those were her words. And the Pope put the very same words in Laudato Si. I couldn't believe it. I'm driving to church. I said, Hillary, 
I mean, I mean, the, the only thing left to do to cry while we're driving. Crying tears of joy. The end is here. God's word is true. So who cares with people who say Sister White wasn't inspired? That's all right. If you tell me mangoes aren't sweet, you're lying because I have tasted, I have seen. Auntie Maxine, Julie mangoes are sweet. I know you like your East Indian, but that's all right. Julie mangoes are sweet. Do you know why? That, that was the tree in my yard. Anyway, here it is, my friends. Churchcraft and statecraft. Now, watch. Paragraph 178 of Laudato Si. Listen what the man of sin said. What are the first two words right there? Mercy. How could he say that word? Statecraft, he says, true statecraft is manifest when in difficult times we uphold high principles. Whose high principles? Catholics. We uphold high principles in difficult times and think of the long-term common good. And what is common good? Based on the Pope. Go back. What is common good? Based on the Pope, my friends. Give up what? National interest, personal, individual rights for the one world government. Then he says now, this is true statecraft. In times of difficulties, uphold Catholic principles. This is the common good. That's true statecraft. Let's get to Sister White now. He, he wrote this in 2015, the Antichrist, Pope Francis. Listen what Sister White said in the year 1899. Oh, beloved, read that with me. We have come to what time? We have come to what time? Oh, beloved. Mm, mm, mm. When God's sacred work is represented by the feet of the image in which the iron was mixed with miry clay. Have we come to that time in Daniel 2? We have been in that time, but we are now at the ending of it. The stone is about to descend. She says now, statesmen will uphold the spurious Sabbath and will mingle their what? Their faith of religion with the observance of this child of the papacy placing it above the Sabbath, which the Lord has sanctified and blessed. All right, next sentence. The mingling of what now? Of churchcraft and what? Statecraft is represented by the iron and the clay. Hear me now. I have been watching prophetic signs since 1996, pardon me, 97. I've never seen any document mention those words in, 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 in connection with the Sunday law. Churchcraft 
statecraft, pardon me. Laudatus sees what craft? <laughs> we, we, <laughs> you're going to get yourself in trouble. Laudatus sees witchcraft? <laughs> you're going to get yourself in trouble. But if God is with us, he will preserve us. But Laudatus is churchcraft. Go with me to Daniel chapter 8. Laudatus is churchcraft. And we just read paragraph 178 of Laudatus. What does churchcraft mention? Statecraft. That means since 2015. Publicly, officially, we are now seeing we are at the ending of the iron mixing with miry clay, churchcraft and statecraft. The stone is about to descend. Which means then, the door is about to shut. I could not believe what God showed me. I could not sleep this morning. Couldn't wait to come here, my friends. We are here. Chapter 8 of Daniel. Look at verse 25. Verse 23 through verse 25, it's the papacy. The Pope of Rome, verse 25 now says, together, come on, what it says, and through his what? Policy. Also, he shall cause craft to prosper. Craft to prosper in his hand. And he shall magnify himself in his heart. And by peace shall destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes. But... He shall be broken without hand by what? What, 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 what will break him, my friends? What, what, what? What will break the stone from Daniel chapter 2, my friends? And today is a day for fasting and praying. I'm in no rush today. If you can realize how close we are, you are blind. That's why we must spend much time in fasting and praying. We are at the very, I mean, it's as if we can touch the second coming of Christ. We can touch a son, the Lord that's coming. Churchcraft, statecraft. Then she says, this union is weakening. That's the sentence below the second red word. The mingling of churchcraft and statecraft is what, my friends? Oh, beloved, it's brought to view by what? The iron and the clay. This union is weakening all the power of the churches. This investing, the church, with the power of the state, will bring what? Evil results. And what did Nancy Pelosi just said? The Roman Catholic, she said, as well as whom? The evangelicals are urging us for a sentence. This will bring evil results. If you have three steps to go, and you come, I said, look, you got three steps down the road. If you come to the first step, you're going to say, wait a minute, Andrew was right. Well, he said a second step is there. If you come to the second step, would your faith in my human words not be increased? He knows what he's talking about. 
So now, would you guess the third step is coming? No! No! And likewise, the signs are here, my friends. And that's why we got to find ourselves praying, Lord, am I in the country? Am I ready for the Sunday law crisis? Is my home in order? You know, I could stop right here, you know. I, we could close our Bibles right now, which I will right now. Am I ready? Are my children in the ark of safety? Or are they living like sodomites? Are they just professing Christ but living like devils? Lord, am I ready? Is my marriage holy in your sight? Do I have a, a personal relationship with you, dear God? The churchcraft, the statecraft is here. The common good, your right, it's all here. The stone is about to descend. But before Christ comes, there must be a Sunday law. And the door is going to shut on those of us who are living. Am I ready? Am I ready? So when fasting and praying were called, how many said, oh, I can't bother with fasting and praying? Did that ever cross your mind? Let me come closer. What about those of you who knew today was fasting and praying, but still ate this morning, and you're not sick? But you went ahead in open disobedience. They can fast. I'm okay. Are you really okay? When God's church as a community called for fasting and praying, how dare you exclude yourself? That means you're saying, I am rich increase with goods and are in need of nothing. You are in a lost condition. You don't care. You don't care. Let me just give some folks some hope right now. I won't spend much time on people who don't care. Time is too late for that. Let me talk to those who really want to be saved but just don't know how. Because those of you who know better and keep on doing what's wrong, God's word says, to him that knoweth. Go with me. Chapter 3 of Revelation. Is the door about to shut? Beloved, I'm, I'm finished. I'm finished. Let me close right here. Let me close right here. Let me close right here. Hear me carefully. Before Christ shut that door of salvation, he gives to all of us a promise. We can see the door is about to shut, right? Can we not see it? Yes. We can see it. Can death come at any time? Yes. But before Christ comes, we all have to go through a crisis. It's going to be worse than Jacob's crisis. It says a time of trouble such as never was. And you knew, you know what Jacob was found doing. He couldn't go backward because Laban was back there. He couldn't go forward. Why? Esau was coming. And what did he find himself doing? Christ came down. It's time to wrestle. Fast and pray. Spend this whole night with me, Jacob. In prayer, I will give you the strength to meet the crisis. And friends, it's coming. And by Jacob wrestling, not against, but with God, against his personal sins. His name was changed. 
His character was changed. Israel, an overcomer. This can be my experience today. And that's why when service is over, where are you going? It doesn't matter if you left something on the stove. Let it burn. Let it burn. Where are you going? Stay here. And if a man has to force you, after all you have seen, something is wrong. Something is wrong. You better call those who are waiting and say, hey, I'll see you later on. I'll see you later on. It's better to break those promises than miss what God has for you today. When God sets the table, he wants everyone seated, my friends. He's coming to feed us. So now God says to us in verse 7, and to the angel of the church in where Philadelphia, right? These things saith he, he's holy, he's true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth and shutteth and no man openeth. Let's, let's all read verse 8 now. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee, I want my friends, an open door. There it is. That's the encouragement. So before that door shuts, what is Christ saying to us? Before the door of salvation closes, what is Christ saying to us? I, I, Jesus, I have set before you an open door. Will you enter it, my friends? Oh, but will you enter it? I have set before you an open door. Do you know why? Verse 10, he says, verse 10, he says, pardon, verse 8, the second phrase of verse 8 says, verse 8, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a one, a little, oh my friends. So why is God saying to us, I have set before thee an open door? Why? We have only a little strength. I want to ask you a question. Can little strength take us through a great crisis? You've got to be joking, my friends. You've got to be joking. And that's why the disciples prayed in Luke 17 and verse 5. Oh, Lord, increase my strength. Increase our faith. Little faith Christians won't make it in these last days. You won't make it. Because you will need a faith that can endure weariness, hunger, delay. A faith that will not faint, though it is severely tried. Little faith Christians are not going to make it. Go ask Peter, who denied Jesus, and what did Christ call him to do? Could you not watch with me one hour? Today's your one hour in fasting and praying. It's our one hour to gain faith enough to meet the crisis. I'm done. Lord, you have given this to me. One more point. He says, I've set before thee an open and no man can shut it. So friends, in life, if you are trying to get some deliverance, some temporal blessing, and the door seems to be shut, how must you then respond? 
Should you murmur? Should you complain? Why not? Because he says, when I open a door, no man can shut it. So if that door seems to be shut, guess who is in charge? Guess who providentially allows the door to be shut? It's Jesus. So if this door is shut, guess what? Go around and knock on another door. That's it. And once your door is open, no man can shut it. Don't fear what man can do. No man can shut it. When it's your time, no man can stop it. All things work together for to them that love and who are the called according to his purpose. When a door in your life seems to be shut, maybe in your marriage, with your children, on the job, you're looking for a job, looking for a country home, looking for a breakthrough, whatever your breakthrough is you're looking for. I said, write down some things on your paper. If you have been knocking and those doors seem to be closed, remember this promise. I have set before the open door. No man can shut it. So if it seems to be shut, stop knocking. Go knock on some other door. What do you say, my friends? And then we can claim Matthew 7, 7. If you knock, the door shall be what? So if it's closed, stop knocking. Say, Lord, thank you for showing me this is not the way you are going to come through. You go a different route. Why? Our Savior, our Lord, has a thousand ways to deliver, of which we know nothing. And those who take this one principle of making the service of God supreme will find perplexities vanish and a plain path before their feet. God, minister of healing, 481, has a thousand ways, my friends. And we get stuck on the one way we say, Lord, this has to be the way that you will bring deliverance. Our Savior has a thousand ways. Do you remember that account? No, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. How do you feel right now, friends? Hmm? Will you enter the open door before it's too late? Will you come in? That door is open. The bridegroom came, and they that were ready went into where? An open door. The door was shut. Will you go in today? Will you come in to be one with him today, friends? Do not leave this day of fasting and praying without making your life right with Jesus. Kneel with me right now. Even those online, kneel with me. Father in heaven, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation. Needless, I recapitulate what we covered a few moments ago. Thank you for opening up our eyes. Thank you for showing us your love. How? By showing us the end is near. Get ready, 
get ready, get ready. That's your love. It's time to get ready. And thank you for the encouragement. The door is still open. But one day, it's going to be closed. We want to enter it and be one, be married with you. So the judgment, the atonement can be completed and finished. On bended knees, we say, Lord, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your word of prophecy. It shows your promises are true. We can claim them in this time of crisis. Oh, dear God, let not the impact, the effect, the force, the thrust of this message lose its impact upon our minds. That this day of fasting and praying will give us a true upper room experience. And tomorrow, if we're alive, we will live truly like Christians, walking in the strength of the power, the refreshing that we receive today. Thank you for the midnight cry. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. It's time to go and meet him. Save us, we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.